you're going to turn to? Psalm 145. Psalm 145. Uh, going to read a few verses there. And, and, uh, and I want to just give you a heads up kind of where I'm headed tonight. Uh, you know, I learned a long time ago with, with young people, uh, at the college especially, that uh, I, I tried to observe, you know, the, the mood and, and I tried to observe kind of what they've been going through and the different things they're going through. And so uh, I feel like that the, uh, uh, my preaching and the conference and the different things like that for the last, you know, couple of weeks, it, it's been, uh, hopefully it's been good. Uh, it, go ahead. I need my mouth to work now. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, it's been heavy. It's been heavy. It's pretty intense and pretty heavy. Uh, so tonight we're going light. Okay. It's uh, what I call take a deep breath. Amen. Take a, take a real deep breath. True happiness is very close to what God calls a merry heart in the scripture. Uh, it says in the, in the Bible, of course, says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And if you, if you really want to find you know, you look up happiness and laughter and merry heart and you know, all these kind of things. The truth is, um, a lot of times the word laughter in the Bible is not really what we think laughter is. It's more of a scorning and, uh, and things like that. And so, uh, but, but happiness kind of blends into there. True happiness can only be based and found in that which does not and cannot change. You see, if we're really going to have a happy spirit, going to have a smile on your face all the time, I, 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 the only way you're going to do that is by focusing on that which cannot change. You know who that is? Amen. And so when you have your eyes on God uh, and you have your eyes on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ, they never change. And so, uh, you know, God never changes. And he says that so we can get focused on him. And that's a constant. And that can, if we're happy anytime, that means we can be happy all the time. And so when we look for happiness and that which changes, we, we, are, we really are looking for momentary pleasure. Uh, when we look for the happiness through circumstances and things that change, we're really looking for something to just make us to feel exhilarated for the moment. And so a true happiness could stay with us all the time till the end of time. Uh, it could be there continually, and it really should be, but, you know, we're human, and it doesn't always do it. But, but I want you to look at 145.21. Psalm 145.21, it says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. You know what this is really right? He said, Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Y'all don't get that, do you? It, it's already, he's already just started, and, he, and he's excited. He's excited. He said, while I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Do you see what that's saying? I, am I, did I give you all the wrong verse or something? I did? Sorry. That is? Amen. I thought I did. Is it not? It's 146? 146? Okay, sorry. Get to the right place, folks. Yeah, I had it written down here wrong. Uh, I really didn't have it written down. I got to type down here wrong unless I wrote it on the screen. And so, uh, okay, now, can you all smile now that you're at the right place? I just, I did that on purpose. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Let's, let's try again. 
verse 1 of Psalm 146, like I said in the first place. The uh, praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord, oh my soul. Does it make more sense now? Okay, praise the Lord. Uh, while I live, will I praise the Lord. Why, I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Uh, it, he said, as long as I can breathe, I'm going to sing praises to God. You know, that means, you know, to me, this is describing what I believe real happiness, joy, uh, it, laughter. That's what it is when, when it, it just is overflowing to the point, point you just, you, you ever been so happy in God you just started laughing? You, you just started, you just couldn't help it, you just laughed because it's just God's so good. And, and then it says, put not your trust in princes nor in the Son of Man because that's what changes, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. And look, look, he said, this is why you ought to be happy in him. He's the one that made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. You know, that's our, our, all of our stability. It keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed. Do you understand? No matter how much you're going through, listen, leave it in God's hand. You're going to be taken care of. God's, God's going to take care of it all, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. That means few in here. Uh, you didn't get that either. He relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. That's a great passage to read. Psalm 144, hopefully, verse 15, says, Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Is your God the Lord? Then you ought to be happy. God says, Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. A laughter and joy and happiness, they're all sort of entwined. Each has aspects of the other, but all hinge on the foundation that, on that, the foundation that which cannot and does not change. When our happiness is based on our present circumstances, we will lose our happiness, we will lose our joy, our laughter will be turned into sorrow. And so uh, what I want to do is, is I'm going to give you some illustrations and then I'm going to give a little uh, ending and uh, then we'll be there. But one of the things that God taught me about circumstances and trials and tribulations and failures and even sin is that God's still God through it all. God's still God through it all. And, he, and he's used uh, a lot of my life uh, to, to show me this, but we get in trouble when we lose sight of the unchangeability of God, when we lose sight of the unchangeable love of God, when we lose sight of the grace and mercy and forgiveness of an unchangeable God, and we, when, we, when we forget or lose sight of the fact that sin takes our eyes off of an unchanging God, and the only thing that's going to bring us back is righteousness. Righteousness will bring the joy back. So there's some ways that we can lose it, so to speak, um, 
Isaiah 35, 10 says, The ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And so, all right, here you go. I just, you know, I decided this uh, several days ago, uh, and, and so I'm just going to tell you. My, my life, uh, as I, when I became a Christian and I started struggling through, through some things, uh, one of the areas, and I tell you this all the time, you know, about things were, uh, that I've had to work through in my life. And one of the things I had to work through in my life is, and I kind of told you this morning a little bit, was the fact that good was never good enough. And so I, I, I felt like that uh, through my young life that, that I, everything, my acceptance or rejection base was based on my present actions. And so I, I kind of felt like, you know, I mean, you go out and you, you, you're on the football team, and, and uh, man, you can be a, st- a starter on the football team, but if, but if you miss that pass or if you miss a couple of passes, uh, pretty soon you're bumped. And, it, and <clears throat> you know, I got all the way into college, and if you, if you get hurt, uh, you're, 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 you can be first string and, and star and, and, and in the, the nicest rooms in the dorm, and, but you, you get hurt and you're gone. And, and, you know, <clears throat> but almost my life is kind of the, kind of what I, I, I struggle with that, that, you know, I was always every day, it was this, uh, I have to, uh, somehow I've got to, uh, earn your approval today. Somehow I've got to get your acceptance today. And if I fail today, then, then, then I'm crushed because now I've got to start from ground zero, zero to earn it back again. And so, uh, God did this for me as I, as I was uh, uh, praying one time and, and, and just saying, Lord, I, I just need help because i got to understand this because I'm, a, I'm applying this same feeling toward you. And, and here's what hurt me is because I knew as a Christian I fail every day. I, I need to be like Christ. I want to be like Christ. But, I, but I'm, I'm not making it. And so I was applying that same feeling toward God. So God, you must be disappointed with me every day of my life. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? So I know this is going to be really weird to you, but, but here's what God did to you. And he's done me this way for a long time. I've got you know, two little books out there, and they really are books that are nothing more than stories where God would take me and teach me a lesson about life and about how he felt toward me. So the Lord began to do that. When I was uh, uh, four years old, and you say, if you, you listen to the story, you'll, you'll know why I remember it. But the... Uh, when I was four years old, I went with my mom and daddy in a red Ford Falcon to the little grocery store where Aunt Lula and Uncle Herman ran the grocery. You get that, Aunt Lula and Uncle Herman? If you saw them, they, they fit the names, okay? Uh, because they, you know, they were not, they had to come in the door one at a time, okay? Aunt Lula and Uncle Herman. So uh, I hope nobody in here is named Lula. But the, uh, but, uh, 
So we went to that little grocery store, and if you can imagine out in the country, those kind of little grocery stores where, where it's, it's probably not as big as these two, two sections right here. And it's got, you know, uh, it's got like one little aisle here and then an aisle over on this wall, you know, between, on that wall, and, and, and that's it. And so my dad never, never shopped because how much can you shop in there? But he'd come in, and he would sit and start talking to Uncle Herman, who would be behind the counter. Uh, and so they would start talking, and Mom would go get a few things. And, and I can remember, four years old, I walked over, and there was this, this kind of rack thing there, and it had grape Kool-Aid. You ever seen grape Kool-Aid, those little packets? I don't even know if they make it anymore. But they had these little grape Kool-Aid packets. And I, swore, and I saw it, and I thought, I sure would like to have some grape Kool-Aid. Matter of fact, as I looked at it, it, it looked at me and it said, take me. <laughs> that little man on the front, he just, he said that. He said, take me. Well, I was a good boy. So I went to my mama and I said, mama, can I have a packet of great Kool-Aid? And mama said, no, son, you can't have it. So I did what every little four-year-old do. I mean, this is the right thing to do, right? I go to daddy. And, uh, and I went over to Daddy, and I said, Daddy, uh, can I have some great Kool-Aid? And he said, he said no, son, you've you, you got to go ask your mama. And I said, I already did. And he said, what'd she say? And I said, I don't remember. And so, <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I went back, and I, I, uh, <laughs> I went back to that great Kool-Aid, and I kept staring at it. Mama's walking down that way, and Daddy's over talking about Uncle Herman, and great Kool-Aid was saying, take me. And, and I thought, you're, you, you're just too lonely to leave. So I took that package of great Kool-Aid, and I put it, put it in my little four-year-old pocket. And we went up, and we went outside after they got you through shopping. And we got in that red Ford Falcon, and it was dark. And, and my brother Alex is on one side of me, and my brother John was on the other side of me. And my little brother Tracy is probably, no, he wasn't even born yet, so I guess he's not in there. Uh, so... And so we're, we're in the back seat. They're in the front seat. We're driving down there. It's dark on those old country roads going down there. Well, being a four-year-old, smart guy, I pulled out the, the, the grape Kool-Aid, ripped it open, and started dumping it into my mouth. Now, this is before they had the sweetened stuff, you know. So, I mean, you dump it in, you kind of go, you know, and your jaws start sucking together. And, and so um, I'm in there, and I dumped it in, and I'm so cool. My brothers are looking at me like, you're a complete idiot. And so I'm dumping it in, and I'm thinking, you're the one's idiot, because I got it, and I got Kool-Aid, you know, purple all over me, and, and I'm dumping it in. When I'm dumping it in for about the third time, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and there was these two big eyes in the rearview mirror, and they were looking back at me, and I went, But it was too late. We pulled, home, pulled up home, and we got out, and my brothers, and they started to get the groceries, and I got out of the car, and my dad never said a word. He just walked over to a tree, <laughs> and he ripped it down. He knew some kind of karate or something because he went over to the tree and he just went 
And then he walked at me very slowly, going, <laughs> peeling that thing all down. And that whole time, my little four-year-old little legs were saying, you know, I mean, my brain was saying, stand still, because if you don't, it's going to get worse. And the whole time, my feet were saying, no way, man. <laughs> and my dad grabbed me by the arm and said the most stupid words a man ever says to his child. You know what they are? Stand still. Now, if that ain't a waste of breath, <laughs> grab me and he said, stand still. And man, I didn't have a chance to stand still because he was playing love lifted me. And so, <laughs> flew, flew, flew. Oh, my soul. I, I, I don't even like grape Kool-Aid anymore. <laughs> Never wanted it anymore. So that was my early beginnings. And you know, the, science, the crazy thing is, is that none of this ever happened to my brothers. But when we were about, I was about eight, I guess, and uh, maybe seven or eight, probably seven, and my brother was eight. He was 18 months older than I was. And for Christmas, we got BB guns. Things were different back then. And so we got, I got a pump gun, and, 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 and my brother got a pistol. And so my daddy, I can still remember sitting us down. He sat us down on the couch on Christmas Eve. You know, we got our, and he said, he gave us just a few rules. It was like, he said, son, you know, you, you don't shoot at any animals. I don't want any of my cows blind out here. Don't shoot at any animals. You don't shoot in any, toward any buildings. I don't want a window knocked out here. And you don't shoot at each other. <laughs> and we just looked at him and said, yes, sir. Well, Christmas Day, we did pretty good. A couple days after Christmas, Mom and Daddy were going to go someplace and they took off down the road and driveways all along gravel driveway. And they were going down that gravel driveway. And they didn't get out of the driveway as these sweet little boys were waving, bye-bye, Mama. <laughs> bye-bye, Daddy. And they got about halfway out the driveway, and we said, cowboys and Indians. And I got my pump gun, and he got his, his pistol. And we start, man, I stood around the corner of the house like this. And he was behind a big old tree over there. And I, man, I'd wheel around and poof, and I'd shoot and I'd pump my gun. And he would shoot at me while it, and it'd ricochet off the house. So rule number one, we already broke. So he would do it. After he shoot at me, I'd wheel around, poof, shoot at him. So this is working great. Well, all of a sudden, he decided that, yeah, I guess he wanted to get closer or maybe watch too many cowboys. I don't know. But he took off running, dove on the ground, rolled over, and shot at me. Hit the house. Rick shade out the house. I came around and went, poof. And he went, ah! Well, I wanted to make sure he wasn't trying to trick me. Because that's what they try to do. They try to pull you out, you know. And so I came, I pumped my gun. And I came real slow. 
And I got up to him. He's laying down there just screaming, but I know he's trying to trick me. And so I got there, and I took my gun like they did in Cowboys, and I used my gun, and I rolled him over. You see, they do it that way because if he tries anything, it's just poof, right there. You know, I got him. But I rolled him over, and, man, he had his hand there, and he's screaming. When I got down there on top of him, and I pulled his hand, there was a BB stuck in his head. Right above his right here in his head. And I got on top. I said, Alex, you're so stupid. And he's laying there, and he's screaming and hollering, and I'm on top of him trying to get that thing out like, like a big pimple. Man, I'm ah, trying to get it out, and it won't come out. And I'm thinking, Mom and Daddy coming home, and we are dead. And, and, and finally, I looked at Tracy. I said, Tracy, go get me a knife. <laughs> Tracy's now about four years old. He comes back with a butcher knife about this long. I'm on top of him trying to dig out this thing with a butcher knife when mom and daddy drive in the driveway. <laughs> See, everything has a reason. There's a reason that I had this thing about being judged by my present actions. <laughs> my daddy always said, son, you will catch y'all shooting at each other, and I'm going to throw these in the Wolf River. So if y'all probably go there to the bridge in Wolf, on Houston Levee, if you'd look off at that bridge, you might find some BB guns. But. So a year later, we couldn't have BB guns anymore. So for Christmas, Mom worked at Sears, and we got fiberglass bow and arrows. I'm not kidding. They didn't have Nerf back then. They didn't have rubber tips. They were steel-tipped bow and arrows, fiberglass, recurved bow. I mean, if you took that thing and you could, man, it would go fly out there. So me and my brother, we went and we tried to shoot at some animals, and we, you know, we had a few rabbits laugh at us. We tried to, to shoot at targets, and I get, got real boring. We shot them as far as we could shoot them, and then we tried to go find them in the pasture, and we lost half of them. So finally, we kind of ran out of things to do, so we got in the front yard and went, <laughs> wow. Because it's an amazing sight, and it just kind of goes, ooh. And there's a spot where it just vanishes. Now, don't try this at home. <laughs> but there's a spot where it just vanishes. And you think, where'd it go? And then all of a sudden, it reappears. And that's when it suddenly hits you. It's coming to me. <laughs> but you don't know exactly where to go. You know, I mean, really. I mean, so many times I look and I think, I need to run. <laughs> Which way? And so, I don't know how many times we did this before I did it, but one time, you know, we tried to run some direction, try to get under something, and so I ran over under a tree. I know you can believe this if you want to. I'm stumbling when I've been drinking. But the, uh, <laughs> the I, I got under this tree as a limb right above my head, 
And I'm standing there like this when all of a sudden I hear this, and that arrow stuck in that limb right above my head. Now, you think, you know, got enough sense to stop now. <laughs> nah, walk right out there and, <laughs> but I ran over and dove under a hay trailer. Now, again, nobody believes this stuff, but it's true. You can ask me, we, we ran over and dove under a hay trailer. I'm under the hay trailer. Now, it's not going to get me unless it does this. And so I'm laying under that hay trailer, and I noticed in between my hands you could see light. And I thought, I'm under a hay trailer. How can I see light in my hands? There was a board missing. <laughs> Believe it or not, that stinking arrow came right through that board. Right in that hole, stuck up between my hands. Last thing I remember is Tracy running in the house to tell Mama. <laughs> and somewhere in the Wolf River, And you're probably thinking, you know, if you live, you grow out of that, right? Well, it didn't happen that way. My first day of high school at Germantown High School, I got in a fight with three guys. They started it in gym class, and I got in trouble. Not for getting in a fight, but I knocked two of them down, and I grabbed this boy in the 70s, 60s, 70s, whatever it was. He had this long red hair. And I grabbed him by his hair, and I was beating his head against a concrete block wall. So I, made my, I didn't even make it through my first day of school. But I didn't get any more fights that year. Then I made it through Germantown, went to college. I'm going to get fired if I tell all of this one. But I, a fraternity wanted me to join them, and so... Uh, I, it was 12 of us going to join that fraternity, and I was only joining it because I could play in the football, the flag football game they were having. But, but um, they had one guy that was just obnoxious, totally obnoxious. And so he was pledging the fraternity, and, and I was kind of leading it. And, and I kept telling him, you know, you really need to shut up because you keep getting us in a lot of trouble because you keep running your mouth. So he wouldn't listen. So um, one day, me and the, some of my buddies, we decided to, to make him never speak again. So we took him at midnight, tied his arms and legs together, and laid him out in front of the girls' dorm and started honking horns and screaming and hollering so they'd all come looking out and, you know, find this guy laying out there. I'm not going to tell you exactly the way he was attired, but, but uh, so... This is before I got saved, folks. The, uh, so we're out there, and, uh, and, and, you know, we're all hiding and laughing because this is funny. It's about 15 of us, and we're all hiding and laughing. And then, you know, we're expecting, you know, for one security guard to come up, you know. They had, you know, let me stay. They had two or three, you know, kind of like, I'll get you, you know. Um, and so we really weren't worried about it. Well, the... Uh, uh, all of a sudden, guys started coming out of the buildings everywhere, and they were with suits and ties, three-piece suits and stuff, and, and, and big guns. And when they did, all of my guys that were with me jumped up and started running. Well, I'm country boy, man. You don't run because, you know, you know they're shooting at a moving target. And so I just stayed hidden because if they're all going to run, then the attention's all on them. 
So they all started running everywhere, and they, every one of my guys had two or three people chasing him. I thought, what in the world is going on? Well, I just stood behind the bush till everything got a little bit away from me, and then I kind of walked over to the sidewalk, started strolling down the sidewalk like I just out for a prayer. And I'm watching people run, and I see this, you know, and behind him, two guys, you know, and then the guy goes, and then behind him, you know, and then they're just, and I think, this is crazy. And so I did what every sensible kid would do. I walked across the street. There's a house that had a porch on it. There's no lights on, and I didn't know who lived there, but it had a swing. So I went up and sat in their porch swing and started and watching all this go on. Pretty soon, uh, uh, you know, probably, uh, pretty soon, about 30 minutes, a car pulls up, and some of our guys had jumped in the car. They ran back to the fraternity. I thought, what in the world is going on? About an hour later, police show up at the fraternity house, and they want to know who was doing this. Well, I didn't. Well, anyway, the, um, <laughs> what we found out was is that Red China's women's basketball team was playing at Memphis State, and they were there in those dorms. And that was like FBI or CIA or something, Secret Service guarding them. You know what the killer is? They didn't catch one of us. <laughs> Not one. One of our guys was cross-country at Memphis State, and he went down in one of those, some, he, two guys were chasing him. He went down in his covert. He told us a story. He said, he said man, I, I, we were running forever. And he said, I looked back, and I, he said, these guys are getting so tired. He said, I started slowing up, and they were getting closer and closer. And he said, they got real close to me, and I went, ha, <laughs> Now, There are other stories. I uh, probably shouldn't have told that one. So probably it'd be better that I don't tell the next one. Um, but suffice it to say, it didn't even stop. You know, I got to work for the police department. And people used to ask me, how did that happen? I said, you know, just because I was faster than the police before that. Um, but so I get to work for the police department. Surely everything's going to go good now. Right? I'm a police officer. I'm a grown man. I'm 23 years old. Of course, they put me in a squad car with a gun. I've never even been to the firing range. But it's okay. You know that they did that? Six months. I drove around, arrested people with a gun on my side. I've never fired it. Never been to the firing range. Never been to the academy. I didn't go to the academy until almost a year after I went to the work for the, fire, the police department. That makes a lot of sense, don't it? So this may answer why I did what I did. So, so we're there. I pull up one night. I've only been on the department about two months. I pull up, and I'm on, I'm on three, three to 11 that, that night. And, and I, No, I'm, I'm on midnight because I'm coming in at 11. So I'm coming in to go to work. As I'm coming in to go to work, it snowed there. Here in Memphis, which you don't know a whole lot, it snowed three or four inches. So you got a whole police department that's out there having a snowball fight. And I thought, I'm a grown man. There's no way that I'm going to get involved in this childishness. 
So I was walking by them as they were throwing snowballs at each other, and they're hiding behind squad cars and throwing. So a guy yells at me, come, come on, hooker, can't you throw? I'm a grown man. I'm not going to participate in this foolishness. So I kept walking. I got pretty close to the headquarters, and I was walking right beside a car, and all of a sudden, man, this, this snowball came right by my head. <laughs> and some guy goes, come on, man, hook it. What can't you throw with you, sissy? I'm a grown man. <laughs> crunch, crunch, crunch. Man, I'm getting this down to an ice ball. And that dude took off running. And I pitched from the time I was 7 to 23. And I wound up, whoo, poo. I let that fastball go. And it went, poo, right at his head. And he's running. He dug down, went right over his head, knocked out the window to the police department. And I don't mean a little window, I mean the big window that the dispatcher sat behind. And the dispatcher was a midget. And he sat on a little stool. He was the type of guy that, if you got nervous, I was on a high-speed chase one time, and I told him, I said, four nine, I'm, I'm at, uh, in excess of 100 miles an hour, and I'm chasing uh, a red Toyota. And he got back on, and he said, all right, 409, you got a red, you got a red, yo, Toda. And I said, no, I don't. I knocked out the whole window. He's still sitting there. He never even flinched. He keyed the microphone, called my number, said, 409, I got an answer. I'm standing like right here. 409. He said, we've had a vandalism at the headquarters. So, I went to Bible college. <laughs> I went out soul winning. I'd never really been soul winning before. I went out, visited, and asked people to come to church, but they taught me how to go soul winning. Well, I went out late night because I had to work all the time, so I went out late night, and I went out and... I was just going and talking to people on the sidewalk. I was with a guy named Kevin Trout. He ended up pastoring in Pennsylvania. But I was there, and we were witnessing to people, and this bar was right there, and the door opened up right here. So I knew from police work, you can't block the sidewalk or block the entrance. So I had down here, and Kevin's talking to a guy. This bouncer comes out, big motorcycle jacket, big beard, big hair, and he comes out. He must have been about 300 pounds. And he walks. He don't go to Kevin. He comes to me. And he said, you got to leave. And I said, no, we don't. The, uh, we're not doing anything wrong. He said, he said yeah, you do. We're, you're, you're blocking. I said, we're not blocking anything. We don't have to go anywhere. And he looked at me and said, you're going to leave one way or the other. 
Now, that's not a good statement to make. I just, I'm still a young Christian. And I looked at him and I said, oh, no, I don't. And I saw him when he tensed up in his shoulders and he started swinging at me. Now, I'd only been there a few months. I'm in my cowboy boots in the snow. They don't give you a lot of traction. He started swinging at me, and I don't really want to fight with him much. And so uh, <laughs> he's swinging, and, I, you know, he's big and slow, so I'm just kind of like, you know, no, I told you, man. Just, you know, I, you know and, and I, I stepped on the curb. My feet slipped up on me, and I fell on top of a car, hood of a car. He jumped down on top of me and crushed me against the car and started choking me. Well, I came up, got, I don't know if you know this, but at that point in time, you get scared. So I came up between his arms, because all I could think of is, who's going to tell Joe Beth that I'm dead? <laughs> so I came up between his arms, and I broke his arms loose from me and, and pushed him back, and something snapped. And I, because I know something snapped, because if it hadn't, I would have lived with the left. <laughs> I never lead with the right. <laughs> but I did. He came back, and I went, Poo! And I hit him right in the forehead. Have you ever hit anybody in the forehead? That's like punching that wall over there. Hit him in the forehead. 300 pounds. Hit him in the forehead. And that dude didn't even go down. And he's staggering around. And I'm thinking, I'm in a mess. And I can't even run in cowboy boots. And he started staggering around, and, and blood started coming down the side of his head. And then the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, he started growling like an animal. That wasn't funny. That was scary. But while he was growling, his pants started falling down. And he grabbed his pants, and he was holding his pants, and this is what he said. He said, ah, I didn't think you Baptists would fight. And I said, really, man, I said, I'm not going to let you kill me. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you can get in trouble in Bible college for fighting. Um, and it wouldn't be so bad, but, but that was like my third one. The first two was with a student my first day of classes because I looked at him. They said, we're going to have a test on the Lord's Supper Scriptures. I don't know nothing. I looked at him, and I said, what's the Lord's Supper Scriptures? He's about 18. I'm about 27. I've been a police officer. I'm in, I, the last thing I did was bench press 300 pounds before I got here. This 18-year-old young man looked at me and said, it's in the Bible, stupid. Well, I've been under a lot of stress. Ray Young's up at the front and making all these announcements. I picked up that boy and threw him head first between the front two pews. His feet were going like this. <laughs> Ray Young never stopped making announcements. I don't know to this day if he even knows it happened. So, you say, what is this all about? I have no idea. No. Through all my life and wrong decisions, this is what the Lord taught me that night as I was walking and praying. He said, 
I've not changed. I still love you. I still want to use you. You know, you may struggle in the sin and stupidity of your life. But the moment that you will just stop and say, Lord, are you still there? He just looks and says, I never went anywhere. You just were looking the wrong way. You just got your eyes off of me. Now, sadly, it took me a lot of years, as I said this morning. It took me about 10 years before I figured out, you know what? God created me. He knew every ounce of everything that was in me. He knew before I even did those stupid things, the things I was going to do. And he still had some steps ordered for me. And he said, son, if you quit looking that way, then look at me. I'm not going anywhere. So it's not like I got to come back to you. I just need you to believe in me. And it was life transforming for me when I realized I don't have to earn his acceptance every day. He loves me. Oh, he sometimes, I'm sure, shakes his head and says, boy, what am I going to do with you? But just like my daddy, just like my mama, through all my stupidity, they love me. Through all the ignorance, they were my biggest supporters other than my wife in life. And how much more would my heavenly father support me and love me? So if you feel like sometimes it's just every day you're being evaluated, every day it's, you know, it's just, uh, am I being accepted or rejected today? Am I being accepted or rejected because I put the 22nd in the bulletin? (laughs) Am I being accepted or rejected because I put the revised version on the front of our bulletin? (laughs) Brother Fitz walks up to me with the bulletin this morning. He says, look at the Bible. (laughs) I look down. Bulletin. Revised version. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Let me tell you. No, you're not accepted or rejected by, you know, folks, I know I'm pretty open, but but truthfully, what God has allowed us to go through, what allowed me to go through, it's really helped me to try my best to look at all people and say, hey, we're in this together. We're going to be okay. We've got to learn. We've got to grow. But we're going to be okay. Because the one who never changes 
is our God. And happy is the people whose God is the Lord. And I think every once in a while it's good to just kind of take a deep breath and say, I want to be happy. And I can be happy every day. Because my happiness is not based on circumstances of life. It's based on the one who never changes. Father, I pray that you'd bless tonight, Lord Jesus. I hope it's been a little bit of refreshment, a little bit of encouragement to our people.